0: Up here on the whiteboard, we have a date written. Everybody see that? It says March 22nd. Does anybody know what day that is? And and by the way, this excludes anybody that was sitting at our breakfast table this morning. Today. That's very good. You want to guess? No guesses. You have to know. If you don't know what it is, no guesses, okay? All right. March 22nd is today. Today.
1: What if I did this to it? and
0: scared <clears throat> you don't have anything to worry about you didn't know I was going to call her up here I didn't really either until a second ago but I just couldn't leave you sitting in the back I couldn't leave you sitting in the back it's not about this uh, is two things one it's a disclaimer um, it's a disclaimer <laughs>
1: thank you. I haven't
0: had enough of that this week. First, it's a disclaimer, because obviously 16 years ago today, I became no longer an unmarried man. And I was not an unmarried man for all that long in my life. I was 19 years old when we were married. And so that's just a disclaim that I'm really not an authority about what it feels like to be single. And so I'm just going to, by the grace of God, minister what He's given to me. Second of all, that is to acknowledge that this week, God has been faithful, God has been gracious, but He's not the only one. Suzanne is a large percentage of the reason why I'm even able to be here, why there's been any measure of success, if there's been any. There was a month of sacrifice. On her and the children's part, they gave up a lot of my time, a lot of their time. They were on our team, folks. They're on your team. Yeah. And because of that, we can be here. And so, thank you, honey. You may be seated. Unless <laughs> you want to take the message.
1: <clears throat>
0: thank you for sharing our special day with us and letting us share it with you. Wow. There's a bunch of word scribbled down here. <laughs> I didn't know this would actually be the hardest thing to the hardest message to speak this week. I I mean I knew it was the hardest one to get together, but I didn't know it'd be the hardest one to get started in thought maybe that little exercise would break the ice, and it hasn't. My hands are still freezing cold. I guess I'm just going to kind of follow through with what's here and just be brutally honest with you. There's a lot of different feelings about this subject, and they're all very real feelings, and there's nothing that's wrong, I don't think, to feel about it necessarily. God gives us these feelings and by the way we're not supposed to have any pretense or pride but and I don't want any hands to go up here I don't want any response but I'm going to ask a couple questions and I want you to examine your own hearts do you want to remain unmarried? any of you? anybody? and that question is loaded but I'm not going to go anywhere with that I just I just want you to examine that in your heart and find that spot. And if you're you're satisfied with that, God bless you. You've gotten to places where I never got to. But the fact is, today, I want to bring it a little closer home than out there in the future. Because I don't know how to deal with that. That was the right answer, by the way, whoever answered that. March 22nd is today. And that was the other reason I wanted that on the board. Today is what we have. We don't have tomorrow or next Saturday or next December. We have today. And the fact is that most of you, students, and Clark and Courtney, forgive me if I fall back and say all of you or whatever. I, I don't mean that. The fact is that most of you are single today. That's, that's where you live. That's where you are. Some of you will be for a long time yet. Some of you may never be married. We don't know that. We don't know. Um, But what I'm supposed to be doing here today is to impress on you that singlehood, remember we're talking about the calling of, the life calling. We're talking about the callings of God. And so I'm supposed to impress on you today that this is a calling. It's not a catastrophe. It's not a cast off. It's not a leftover. It's a calling. It's a high calling. And it's a holy calling. And it needs to be a helpful calling. And a hopeful calling. Heavenly calling, sorry. This is a calling, it's not a calamity. There's a verse in Romans eleven, twenty nine, and that says this it says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. In other words, God doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't and he does and he's not required to feel sorry for calling you wherever he calls you to, to be. Whatever service He calls you into. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't need to repent when He calls you into whatever calling it is, and even in the calling of singlehood, or the calling to remain unmarried, which is really what we're talking about, because actually every one of us is an individual. Married or unmarried, we're an individual before God. In the calling to remain unmarried, God doesn't have to feel sorry for that. I want to impress quickly that the kingdom calling of singlehood is built soundly on the foundation of servanthood again, just like all the other three of, of a neighborhood, fatherhood and motherhood. Singlehood is a calling. I don't know if it's even possible to translate, transfer that in our hearts, to convert that. It's just so ingrained in us. We'll keep going here. There are feelings. I already mentioned that. And it can be a very, very sensitive subject because those feelings that you found in your heart when I asked that question are very real. And I don't want to minimize them or make them less.
1: They're very, very real. If that
0: puts you in an agony that, no, I don't think I can do that, that's real. And I want to understand that. If it gives you a feeling of desperation that, God, I don't think I can be complete unless I'm married. I don't think I can be of any value because that's just what's ingrained in us. I want to I want to hear your heart, and I want to understand. God does. It's not wrong to feel that way. But it's very sensitive, and almost anything that I say to try to comfort anybody that's in that condition or try to encourage them just sounds so trite, because they say well, you just got done saying you were married for 16 years, and what do you know about it? You're just trying to. That's all just on the front. And you know, I have to admit, maybe there's been times it was because I don't really, I haven't ever been there very long, but I want to. I want to care. And I want to hear that, and I want to somehow translate this from a catastrophe into a calling. Just understand it. I don't know what all will get said today, but I want you to understand and hear my heart. I want to be very sensitive. I don't want to hurt anybody. I just want this to be an encouragement. I've probably overstated that. I've said it too much, but it's very, very heavy on my heart today. Because it's so real. Life is so long and singlehood is so sensitive. I will, will say I was very relieved in my spirit when the Lord spoke as I was wrestling with this thing and I spent all day last Thursday yeah last thursday just wrestling with this thing and wrestling with this thing and I have to have an outline it seems like for me. The, the Lord knows better than that. But in my mind I need an outline. I need something. I need a scriptural character. I need four or five points. I need something to fill in. It wasn't there and I just kept getting all this stuff but finally God said this he said he reminded me that this message is not just to prepare the hearts of the unmarried but all of us and this is what he reminded me of the older brothers and sisters back there any one of us could be single tomorrow There's a sister back here that knows about that any one of us could be single so we're talking about preparing our hearts for the callings of life and so open up your hearts married folks this was for me, and when I decided, when I finally discovered that it was for me, it began to go better. It works better that way. So the question for today, the the uh, there's, there's just tons of scriptures we can use, but commit thy way unto the Lord was the word He gave me out of Psalm 37. And we may spend a little time there later, um, probably not a lot. It seems like in these practical messages, I I just... and I apologize, somebody said we should be turning to Scriptures to to implant them in your minds, and I would bless you in doing that. It takes me a little while to find them in my Bible, so I just put them in my notes, and then I don't turn to them. But if you do, that's wonderful. That's that's good. It implants it in your mind where that is in the Word. My burden is companionship in Christ, finding companionship in Christ, and I really think that's self-explanatory because that's what's going to be required. So the question is, which is better? Which is better? as you think about this, married or unmarried? Neither. Is that what you said? Do you mean that? Does everybody agree with him? Amen. Neither. How many... Let's see here. Oh, this is a question too that's a little sobering. Let's see here. That's not where I thought it was. But anyway, let me ask you this question anyway. How many of you have ever considered the fact? Well, no, I'm gonna to get to that later. I just remember where it was. Alright, here's another hard question for you. And you don't have to again, you don't need to raise your hands on this one. <clears throat> How many of you are just living your life with the attitude of biding my time until the full until the full calling comes? That I'm here just waiting for that fullness of calling, that when the young lady or the young man comes by my side, then 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 fullness will come and, and life will enrich and And uh, the rest of the callings of life will fill in. I know how that feels. I've been there. What if marriage never comes? Does that mean that fullness never comes? You know all the right answers, but let your heart speak to you today. You know the right answers. You know what I'm going to say. You probably know almost everything I'm going to tell you today. But, But get your heart involved here. It may be easy to take the subconscious attitude that the fullest blessings come with marriage, but let me tell you where fullness comes from. And it's so, it's so repetitive to say it again today because we've been hearing about fullness to the fullest this week. If we haven't found companionship in Christ and fullness to the fullest this week, I'm not sure I can say anything this afternoon that's going to change that. But we'll just add a few more drips here. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. This is one of my favorite passages, and it just hit me this afternoon when I realized I was going to have to turn to that Scripture, that there is no excuse for me not to be able to recite this this chapter. But I can't yet, and I'll just confess that, but I think it's going to be high on my list of of, uh, things to do when I get home. Part of my battle plan, if you please. Verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. <clears throat> Get this. That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by what? By His Spirit in the inner man. Do you find anything there that says that, that uh, He would grant you according to the blessings of marriage?
1: Or... Well, I'll just
0: drop that. Did you find anything that says that? No, it's not there. Then he goes on and says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. He doesn't say that 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 young lady or that young man may dwell in my home, by my side. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, not rooted and grounded in a home full of children, rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all things This is you as an individual. This is pre-marriage, post-marriage as well. You're still an individual, but this is before you ever consider getting married. Remember what I said the other day? This is probably going to keep coming out. About the single eye. This is what we're talking about today. This is learning how to do that. Keeping our eyes single on the Lord Jesus. The other blessings are peripheral. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of God and His righteousness, so simple. You know all that. All these things shall be added unto you. They'll come into your, into your vision and become a part of your life, if that's the Lord's will, if that's His calling. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with what? All the fullness of God. All. Study that word sometime. A-L-L. All. All. It reminds me of John D. Martin's favorite New Testament verse, but I can't quote it, so I shouldn't have even said that. But it's one that's filled with alls, all might and all wisdom and all, 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 all spiritual blessings. And I'm not even sure what all is there. Can you quote it, Kurt? Joe? Take your time. If you can't, that's fine. I, I thought maybe you could. But that's fine. Look for the alls in the, in the New Testament. The alls that re- refer to Jesus Christ. Anyway, that's fullness there. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I want to give you a word. I shared this with several of you on, I think it was Wednesday, when the, when the word of the Lord in my private time was out of Psalm 119, when, when the psalmist says, The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. And that was a rich blessing that day. Because the Lord is my portion. When you say, The Lord is my portion... We're not talking about when God is your portion. When you think about a portion, you think about a piece of the pie, or a a helping of the casserole, or a a, a piece of... No.
1: The Lord
0: is my portion. Not part of the Lord. Not a hint or a cent of the Lord. But the Lord is my portion. So I shared that in my prayer group, and I was so blessed. Brother Pete uh, took us then to another psalm that talks about the Lord being our portion. And when I looked at that, I, I, I knew that I had to share this today. Uh, Psalm 73. Turn your Bibles there. If you are called to be single, maybe I should say this different, if you're called to remain single, this verse can become very, very precious. Verse 23 in Psalm 73 says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee, Thou hast holden me by my right hand. There is no wife or husband that can take the place of God holding your right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. God is... Faithful, brothers, that verse was just what I needed to get my hands warmed up today. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The Lord is my portion. What a blessing. Again, the fact is that most of you are unmarried today, and we have today. And so those verses are for you. I want to just quickly acknowledge the correctness of the desire to be married. God did design men and women to be married. So if you have a desire to be married, that's not a wrong desire.
1: That's a that's a
0: God desire. It's marriage is a high calling. It's a holy calling. It's a heavenly calling. It's a helpful calling. I'm not a hopeful calling. I'm not going to minimize that. God's word and we could take you to scriptures, but that's not what we're here for today is, is to talk about marriage. But it's okay. That's a God thing. God did that inside of you, and it's all right. He may call you to crucify that. He may call you to a different calling. We don't know that in your life. But it's okay to, to acknowledge that you would like to be married. That's a God thing. There's another thing I learned. I, I'll admit I did some online research in my desperation for, for something to talk about, and, and it didn't come online, brothers.
1: It's
0: not where it came from. It came from a faithful friend who lives in Ohio who's still single. And he called just to check in on me and see how I was doing. He had no idea that on Friday afternoon, as I was running the forklift, I was in agony because I didn't have a clue, and I knew we needed to be leaving on Saturday morning to come to Washington. And I knew that Brother Joe had said, you'll enjoy the week a whole lot more if you have most of your framework in place. And I was getting desperate,
1: I'll tell you. This
0: brother had no idea. He's going to find out pretty soon. I decided to wait till after I delivered the message to call him. He was, because here's, here's how it is, brothers I was, and sisters. I was, I was asking God, and this is just getting a little bit real here, but I, I actually had laid a little more fleece out there before him in specific words. I said, I would like you to provide me a, a title, a burden, and an outline in a way that I receive no glory. I don't know why I added that. I, I, it was just a burden, I guess, at that moment. That I, I guess I, I wanted it to be something where I didn't wrestle and, and lever and, and use all the mechanics that we can try to use sometimes to build a message and have it work. And that's exactly what he did. I can give the credit to nobody except God and working through this brother who still has no idea. Tim Wright, you, you old boys had already figured that out, probably. He's a blessing. <laughs> Amen? Man of God there. So, let's get going here. We've got an outline in Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. Tim said, why don't you consider Anna the prophetess?"
1: I said, hmm, I'll do that.
0: I went home, opened up my Bible to Luke chapter 2. I knew where it was. And, boop, 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 four-point outline just like that. There it was. When that happens, I pace around the room and I do a a little jig sometimes. It's not real, folks. God is faithful, and God likes us to be happy, and God likes us to rejoice. I don't go to the extent of taking all my clothes off and dancing in the street, typically, but, but uh, God does like us to rejoice before Him. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 36. We're just going to clip this out of here, just kind of a little little news clipping here. Verse 36, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phaneuel, of the tribe of Aser, She was of a great age, and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. Now we understand that Anna did have a time of being married, but that's beside the point. And I want to, I want to talk about this just a little bit. There's two ways of looking at her age I personally prefer to think that she was of a very great age, a very great age. It says she was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her, her virginity. So I like to think that she was 15 or 17 years old and she was married because in those days I think that was probably more likely to be younger, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's not true, but let's say she was 17 years old and she lived with a husband seven years, that makes her 24, and then it says she uh, was Let's see, she had lived and she was a widow of about four score and four years. You had twenty four to eighty four years and you have a hundred and eight years if I did the math correctly. Now that's probably not the right way to look at it, but I like to look at it that way just because I think she was a very great age and she understood singlehood because she'd lived that way a long time. Now, maybe the technical way to look at that is is that she was actually eighty four years and what regardless of the of the how old she was when she married, she lived with a husband for seventy years and for seven years and And the rest of that time, until she was 84, she was a widow. Doesn't matter. She was really old and she understood what it was like to live a single life. That's the primary point. Four things about Anna. If you look in here, you're going to find out that Anna departed not from the temple. You're going to find that she served God with fasting and prayers night and day. You're going to find that she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. And you're going to find that she spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. <clears throat> departed not from the temple, served God with fastings and prayers night and day, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. She spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. So, departed not from the temple. Obviously, we're, we're uh, just going to do with this story what we want to do today to to, to some degree to make it. Make it cohesive, but she departed not from the temple. She was a single, she was unmarried. A largest portion of her life, and so she departed not from the temple. Let's think a moment about Anna's life as we think about departing not from the temple. She had been married but a short time. For those of us that are married, that what happened to Anna could happen a very, very suddenly. What I'm talking about is pain, actually, here, just so this makes a little more sense to you. She had a funeral to plan and attend. I don't know if she had any trouble, any children in the first seven years of her marriage or not. There's nothing mentioned. I guess for today, let's just, let's just assume she didn't have any children. I, I suppose she might have had, but they're not mentioned. But we do know that she had no more children after that day. No more fruit of her womb. She watched her friends' families all grow up and get older and blossom and become parents and she watched her friends become grandparents. She sat at home alone. When all that was done and and we could add to that list and make it quite lengthy, I'm sure, of the pain that she endured in just all the little ways. What did she do? She went to where God was. She departed not from the temple. Night and let's see here, maybe that's the wrong one. She departed not from the temple. She departed not from the distance. I have no desire to belittle the pain of somebody who is unmarried. No desire at all. I've already said that. I acknowledge that those who are called to be unmarried will maybe experience a funeral. Possibly. Some of you may never. Some of you may be called to remain single and not have a funeral, but there's pain in our life. Some of you may have to learn to put away your dreams. Anna had lots of dreams, I'm sure, when she married that young man. Some of you may have to listen to your friends speak of their hopes and dreams of home and children as they get married and move on with their life, and there you sit. Rejected. Possibly. Some of you may have to listen to your friends get all excited when children do come, and they hold these babies in their arms, and they want you to be all excited about them. Here, it's a new baby. And and they get all their little pink and blue things and whatever they do, and, and they're all excited. And there you are, and you're just like, Oh, would to God that was my child. I wish I could do that. That's pain. Some of you may have to watch a friend's lover care for them. That smites me. I just put my arm around a woman and kissed her right in front of all of you, at your invitation, no less. But but still, I hope I didn't hurt anybody by that. Maybe I shouldn't have even did what I did here because us married people can be so unsensitive sometimes. But you may be called to watch friends' lovers care for them. That be, might be painful. You may be called to listen in when all your married friends sit around and they invite you in because you used to hang out together and they all sit around and talk about the cares and burdens and responsibilities of life as they've moved on. and That's painful. Where did Anna go? She went to where God was. And in Anna's life, we're getting the, the uh, admonition, I think, the exhortation to go where God is. Embrace the pain is what I'm asking us to do today. Whether, whether this is about singlehood or anything else God sends into your life, embrace the pain. Don't build a wall against it. Don't get bitter. Don't, don't get a hard, crusty heart. Don't do those kinds of things. Don't shut people out. But embrace the pain. God has an intense interest in every individual. An intense interest. We've been hearing about that. One of the brothers, I think, maybe even said those very words. An intense interest. And God will bring things into the lives of people who have opened themselves up to His will that will draw Him to them. I believe that with all my heart. I've had it happen too many times in my own life. God brings different things into people's lives to draw them close to Him. But many times it's pain. I don't know why that is. Except it's a tool of God to draw people into His embrace. Embrace the pain. How many, let me ask you this, how many, more hard questions, how many of you have asked God or words to this effect to please draw you closer to Him, draw, you, draw me close into Your presence, God, make me closer to You, or any words that mean a similar thing? Anybody? That's what I thought. Everybody wants to be close to God. And so when we want to be close to God, we ask Him to draw us close to Him. What means do you expect Him to use? God's not going to take His hand out there and say,
1: Get over here. I want to give you a hug.
0: He stands there and He says, You draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. But i tell you what, maybe there is a little something I can do for you. To help you take that first step. God uses pain. Psalms 119, verses 61 and verse 71. Verse verse 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. That's the 67th verse of 119. The 71st verse says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. God uses pain. God uses affliction. Another word for pain. Hebrews 5, here's an example of Jesus. God uses pain. Hebrews 5, verses 7 and 8. Who in the days of his flesh, Jesus, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, you might even just add in your life that was able to save you from singlehood, you know he could have, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Obedience is a form of closeness to an individual, an authority in your life. God wants us to be close. Just a few days ago, Micah, our four-year-old, was climbing in a tree. There at home. Yeah, he was at home. I was in the backyard, and all of a sudden he left out this frightful wail. And it was one of those that the initial pain was so great that it, that it was one of those that you think something really bad happened, and it makes a dad get up and run. I very quickly called him because I realized it wasn't that serious because he was coming towards me in an upright fashion. But what had happened is he slipped out of the tree and he had a big old scratch up the side of his leg. And scratches hurt. They're pain. That's what they are. They're pain. What was the first thing Micah did? I think you all know. He looked around for Daddy or Mother. happened to be Dad in this case. Daddy was over there and he'd come a running. He'd come a running right up to Daddy and he wanted a hug and he wanted somebody to nurse his little wound and give him a kiss. That's what he wanted. Pain, I didn't inflict the pain, but pain drew him right to Papa in his life. God uses that too. Embrace it. Allow it to draw you to the temple. The Lord wants us to be close to Him. And He'll use... If you, I'll just say this. You'll notice sometimes that the people who don't really want to be close to them don't really experience a lot of pain, it don't seem like sometimes. It's like, what's the deal? Why is that? Well, let me open you up, up your, your, your uh, uh, mind to some possibilities. It might be that they don't want to be close, and God says, that's fine. Those that hunger and thirst are who I'm going to fill. And uh, I don't know that God's saying that's fine. I don't want to be little God's heart at all. But the point is, when you open yourself up and you invite God to draw you close to him pain is one of, the, one of the things he uses God wants you to be close to him and he will honor that request you draw nigh to him and he will draw nigh to you and he will draw you to him using some pain sometimes he will use different things to draw different people some people need responsibility that can be painful to draw them to himself some people need loss that's why there's funerals in young marriages some people need loss some people need to be married to draw nigh to God. And I don't mean that to be funny. But some people need to experience that to find out that
1: this
0: wasn't everything I thought it might be, and, and now I need to draw nigh to God. God can use that. He won't use it in a destructive way in a marriage either. Bless Him for that. Some people need to remain single. I can tell you exactly what God had to do in my life to draw me close to Him. For me, I guess I'll just be transparent. For me, it was a call to the public ministry. That was, I can tell you, to the day and the moment when he worked in my, in my heart. And it was painful. In case you're interested, young man, it's really not that pleasant to stand up in front of people for the gratification of your flesh. That lasts about that long. But that's what God used in my heart. All my point is, is God uses different things. And singlehood is one of those. God may be calling you to be closer to Him in this fashion. Embrace the, the pain and depart not from the temple of God. Psalm 27, verse 4. Let this be the desire of your heart, that no matter what God uses to draw you to Him, use this verse. One thing, one thing. Add this to the all that we talked about earlier. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple for in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion in the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me He shall set me up upon a rock what do you think it would be like to be hidden in the pavilion of God in His secret place embrace the pain and allow it to to call you to depart not from the temple Anna departed not from the temple. Anna served God with fastings and prayers, night and day. This speaks to me of commitment. How real is God to you? list of questions here. How real is God to you? And again, at the end of a week like this, when God is so real and so close, and, and you, can just, you can feel Him almost physically, Maybe it's kind of funny, but let your heart speak into this. Real enough to talk to like a real person? took me a long time to learn how to talk to God just like I'm talking to you and just share everything that's on my heart, no matter what it sounds like and no matter how foolish it is and no matter how childish it is and no matter how much it doesn't even make sense because the thoughts aren't coming in that right order, to just talk to Him about it. Real enough to talk to like a real person? Real enough to deny yourself something in order to get to know Him better? Is that real to you? Real enough to be the number one companion in your life? Real enough to let Him determine your marriage status? Brandon talked this morning about some things that that the God of peace can do in your life. That was a good exhortation even to this message. Jehovah Shalom. God can bring peace. If God wants you to get there on time and you have to follow the speed limit, He'll get you on time. I mean, and you. If God wants you to be single and unmarried, God can fill you with peace. And He can get you there on time. He can get the job done right. Real enough to let Him determine your marriage status. If He wants you to be married, He can do that too. Anna's was that real. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Anna was committed to drawing nigh to God. She served God with fastings and prayers, night and day. She was a single woman, unmarried. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. I'm not sure why I stuck that one in there. That probably should have been in the pain section. But anyway, the Lord does want to be near. And I guess we should be committed in in brokenheartedness, like we heard about this morning. Brokenness and and uh, contrition, a contrite spirit. Psalm fifty-seven, favorite verse of mine. Again, I should be able to recite it. I don't know why I I, I've, I've received a lot of admonition, unknowingly by any of you, to do a little better at Bible memory. Uh, disciplining myself, but I love this verse in Psalm 57 when he says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Isaiah
0: 57, 15. I'm sorry. And there's more places we could go to about that, but it's an exercise of commitment to be contrite in spirit. And to be broken. Psalm 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. Remember what we read in Psalm 73? Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Another promise from God. Now, Psalm 37. I have no idea who all here is going to be called to be single, if anybody... But you are today. I need to remember that. We are called you are called to be single today, unmarried. We're just gonna read these verses and maybe make a couple brief comments. I don't this is a, there's a whole message. Message is built into this. Starting in verse three of Psalm thirty seven, trust. And here and here's a little outline you can get out of this sometime. It's trust, delight, commit, rest, and the promise at the end of verse eleven is peace. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord.
1: You think you want to delight
0: yourself in a companion? First we're called to delight ourselves in the Lord, and then He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Little little add-in here. The desires of your heart might be affected when you delight yourself in the Lord. Consider that possibility. I think it's real. Commit thy way unto the Lord. That's a hard one. Commit the arrival time. Commit the responsibilities. Commit the calling. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring what is best for you to pass. He will do that. He's faithful. And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Drop down to verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. That was very sketchy, but I didn't want to take any more time with that. That is, a, that is a set of verses that you can take, you can ponder on, and you can meditate on for hours when you're all alone. And you wonder, I wonder if God is speaking the call of singlehood into my life. I want to say something that's just come to me. The call of singlehood, and this isn't trite. I was afraid of statements like this because it sounds so trite, like you know, yeah, you're just trying to make me feel good, but I believe personally i believe i'm going to re- if I can find it quick i did I did print something off here from a from a place called um, uh, Encouraging Words, which is an online thing here um my thought completely here it is the call of singlehood I believe is actually a much broader which makes it a more responsible call this isn't a trite statement folks than the call of fatherhood or the call of motherhood or the call of neighborhood by itself you pack all those three into one calling and you've got the calling of singlehood. Think about it. If you have felt and received that calling, not a calling to sit at home and, and just keep house for yourself, search out a career, and build a, and amass a great bunch of wealth because nobody else is going to do it for you, so you've got to take care. No. The call of God, that's not what it is. Um, it is actually a broader calling than any of those other single callings even are. I know that doesn't speak a lot of comfort to a hurting heart that says I want to be married but it's true and it is true and it is true and when you get to know the Lord Jesus like I think you are and probably have many of you it will be true in your heart too get real with God he wants to be real with you tell him your desires tell him your desires and like I said before when you pray just talk to him about them no matter how silly they may seem and how small and how goofy, even when you say, and you're like, Lord, this is dumb. I, I know. i am being childish here. I, I know that. Tell them to him anyway. And then release them to him. And let him put them on the floor like that ladybug the other day. And let him set his feet on them. Now, God doesn't just come on, in, in situations like that. He doesn't come up to, All right, I'll
1: do that. Trump.
0: No, he doesn't do that. He very gently and lovingly and carefully, as you permit him, places his foot over those things. Just release them. But tell them to Him and just let Him have them. Get real with Him. Knowing God, loving God, and talking with God, finding fulfillment in God, and being committed in, to, in Him. Serve God with fastings and prayers night and day. There's so much more about that. They will all, all that will be essential. Knowing, loving, talking, and finding fulfillment and being committed. they will be essential if any of us are called to be single in our servanthood. A single servant. We like God, or like Anna, we like Anna, single or married. Actually, should be committed to serving Him with fasting and prayer, night and day. So she found herself constantly in the temple, departed not from the temple, and she served God with fastings and prayer, night and day. She gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. <clears throat> gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. Thank, uh, thanks, thankfulness, thankfulness. I don't know what thankfulness tells you, but there's just a couple points, two or three. I want to get out of here. Out of thankfulness. Thankfulness, the first word that comes to my mind is contentment. If you're going to be a thankful person, you must first be content. Otherwise, why would you be thankful for it? So there's an exercise in contentment here. And I was able to give thanks for many, many years. A thankful person is a content person. As you wrestle with discontentment or contentment in singlehood, as you wrestle with that possibility, and as age grows on you and you think, well, I'm not sure if it's the calling of singlehood or, or if there's yet somebody in my life. As you wrestle with that, I want you to consider this question. Do you think it's possible that you could be discontent being married? Do you think it's possible? <laughs> it's a very real possibility. It's evident all around us. As you drive up and down the road, and walk up and down the streets, and in and out of stores, and some people get so discontented that they do absolutely gross and disgusting things, like we saw yesterday in the street. No wonder they want to be married to a man. I don't know how many of you saw it, but it was disgusting. I think God was. Ah, I don't know what. I don't want to. I can't. I can't even say how God might have felt. I know it wouldn't have been a pleasant feeling. I think we'd go to Romans one and find out how He feels about that. It is possible to be discontent being married. There are people who are not happy being married. There are people who just decide okay, since I'm not content I can leave. There's others who know better than that and they stick it out. God bless them. Maybe there's help for people like... I know there's help for people like those. Maybe we can be a mediator in their life somewhere. Look for those situations. Help them out. Get this one. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want. Rather... It is the awareness of what you already have. Profound, profound statement. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but rather the awareness of what you already have. We're all very, very familiar with 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, when he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. We hear that from the time we're three years old and our mothers and daddies are trying to pound that little verse into our heads. And it gets pretty mundane to us. But it means what it says. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain being uh, wealth and riches. Think about how much more rich, going back to Ephesians chapter 3, your life will be, single or otherwise, unmarried. Think how rich it will be when you're content in your calling. Godliness with contentment is great riches. It's great wealth. It's a wealth of, of peace. It's a wealth of joy. It's a wealth of victory. It's a wealth. That's not just a trite little statement either. Consider this. Hebrews 13, verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. And here's the promise that goes along with that. Can you you finish that for me? Anybody? For he hath
1: said... Amen.
0: <coughs> let your lifestyle, let your manner of living, your deportment, as Brother David says, be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When God makes a promise like that, God means what he says. Even if you're unmarried, it is true. There's another uh, a thing about giving thanks likewise unto the Lord. Anna gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. One of the propensities, I think, for um, us to protect ourselves, and maybe even for single people, more than... uh, It's all of us. I think single people are not exempt from this. Maybe I'll say it that way. Uh, To protect themselves is in selfishness. And like I said earlier, it can be tempting to to go out there and get a career and and stash up money for yourselves and, and make sure you own your property and have things all in place for the future because nobody else is sure taking care of you or it seems like maybe. So one of the things that can happen is selfishness and I could sit here and name handful, a handful of people right right off the top of my head of people who don't do that who are single. I'm not going to name people's names today. I just won't do that. But I know people who have good jobs. They've, they've, they've accepted that calling of singlehood and, and they do have good jobs and they make good money but they don't just do that all the time. They're able to do that for a portion of time and then they take it and disperse it. In ministry, in other countries. In, in, there's been a sister in our for a little while now. That's, that's exactly what she does. She makes good money. And then she goes and she serves others. Money runs out. Back home she goes. And makes good money. She's well paid. And that is a blessing. That is a testimony. She's not heaping it to her... I, I don't know about this lady, but it's not heaping it to yourself. It's gaining it and dispersing it. Not being selfish with it. In other words, a thankful person is a generous person. Giving and sharing is also a form of fellowship and greatly reduces loneliness. Giving and sharing is a form of fellowship and it greatly reduces loneliness. I'll share a little testimony from Suzanne and I's life. We were married. We weren't single, but I think the same principle can apply. We were married, uh, well, several years actually, I guess. I was going to say just a couple short years, but I guess we were already living over there on Brower Road. So we had been married at least... Seven years. But for some reason there we began to feel a little lonely there at, at home in our, in our local church congregation and like we were maybe a little friendless. And uh, I don't know why. It just dawned on me one day that, that old saying that says, he who would have friends must first show himself friendly.
1: I come home from work
0: that night, inspired a little bit, and I said to Susanna, I said, well, you know, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's take Friday nights and let's do something every Friday night. I don't know if was every Friday, every two weeks, whatever it was. But we set, a, we set a pattern. The very first place we went, to an old elder's home there in our, in our local congregation, Paul and Francis Kinsey, and we spent the evening with them. And I'll tell you what, we come home to bless. I don't know if Paul and Francis were blessed or not. I think they were because the next time we met them at church, they were our friends and they tried to call our children by name and, and they wanted to be friendly. Now, I think they wanted to be friendly before, but I don't know if they knew they could because we hadn't been friendly to them. That was a rich, rich blessing. Some of you here know that another thing we did during that time in our life, back in about 2004, 5, 6, somewhere in there, was to start inviting some of you into our home. shouldn't say invite. We invited all of you, whoever wanted to come, but but uh, on one of those Friday nights now and then, we inserted that. That was a blessing. I'll tell you, there was nothing in our life quite like going to church and having you folks come up to us and bless us, call our children by name, encourage us when we when we spoke, send encouraging text messages, letters and cards. You young people. You don't know what you did in our lives during that time. It was a sanctifying effect for us very, very strongly. But my point, not to get on us, but my point is that as a single person, you can do just that. There's fellowship and blessing and sharing with others. Being a generous person. A thankful person is a generous person. Give to others, boy, the blessing will be yours. It works that way every time. It's a principle. Ephesians 5, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things, unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, being thankful, being generous. Thankfulness, contentment, and generosity. Anna gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and she was single for a lot of years. Anna spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I don't think I even need to say any more about that to you folks, because I know that that's about all you can talk about, and I praise God for that. It's about all you can talk about is Jesus Christ and Him crucified and Him resurrected and Him living within you and Him standing beside the Father and His love and His grace and His mercy. God bless you for that. When you're single and you're alone, there may be times you don't feel like it. There may be times when you feel like God has just rejected you. I trust that those moments aren't very long, but here's what Anna did. Years and years in the temple, all by herself, going home alone, alone to her bedroom, going home alone and hearing all of her friends talk about all those things.
1: She spoke of Jesus and looked
0: for the redemption. And and she didn't know it was Jesus at that time. You understand that. But she spoke. Once she found him, she spoke of him. She was looking for him, and she spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I'm not going to try to read more into that, just the ones that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I'm going to say she spoke of Jesus to anybody who would listen. Because if they'll listen, they must be looking a little bit. I think we had some testimonies of people who just wouldn't listen. Well, then you go on and find somebody who will. Anna saw Jesus, and guess what? She couldn't be quiet about it. Bless God. Tell all the world of Jesus, think of their gloom and loss. Tell of His great salvation, glory and His cross. Let's sing that song just to kind of pray. I know this testimony for not being sleepy, and I think that's true, but, but uh, let's do it anyway. 7:17. If you are feeling a little sleepy, maybe this will be advised you just a little bit. Um, and here's what I want us to do: 7:17. I would like us to at least stand up, and I kind of wanted, I'm, I'm going to run out of time, but i still kind of like to do this, I guess. I'm going to pull this out of the way, and, and I would like you to, in an order, let's just have the students do the walking, but I'd like you to each you take your book, and we're going to make a parade here, maybe if the middle row would follow um, Josie, and then when they come past the end of the table, you start in here, and we're going to march around the room one time. So Nathan, you follow the end of the, of, of the sisters and then of course you just follow around behind Reuben. And we're going to go around here and you're going to just walk around at one time and when you get back, come, come around the end and across the front and back through wherever you... but stay in the line and find your seats again. So we're going to follow the path of Jesus. I'm doing this to sort of get your blood pumping. And, I want, and, and the older folks can just stand there and sing. That's fine. We're going to get the students involved in this. And what I want us to do more than that is I want you to sing this I want you to sing this song with the same enthusiasm and exuberance that you plan to follow the path of Jesus in.
1: Is it ho-hum,
0: follow the path of Jesus? Or is it briskly and with purpose? Now, don't run over each other, but I just mean with purpose. And I want you to sing it with that same sense of purpose. follow the path of
1: Jesus walk where his footsteps lean keep, it, keep it in his in every counsel he. watch while the hours are flying ready from good to you. This boy is
0: last verse, like you really mean it, folks. Sing it like you really mean it.
1: Mm-hmm. Take up the cross of
0: Now, there's no excuse to be sleepy. Even if there wasn't before, there really isn't now. All right. I'll tell you, the calling of singlehood is a wide-open opportunity to serve, 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 and to bless, bless, bless. Wide-open opportunity. The world desperately needs to know about Jesus. We've talked about that all week. You've been equipped, you've been encouraged, you've been counseled, you've been exhorted about telling the world about Jesus with your lips, with your life. Everything about you exuding an identity of Jesus Christ. The world desperately needs to know that. The message of Christ is compelling. We heard the other day again about the words of Jesus, those lovely words, And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The world needs to know that. They need to see that. They need to feel that. It doesn't matter if you're calling us single. What an excellent opportunity to throw your entire life, solely and soundly, focused on Jesus Christ with no distractions. We could turn to Apostle Paul, and I chose not to do that. I'm going to be just a little disobedient to that, if you don't mind. (laughs) I chose not to do that because I didn't want to get all wrapped up into this thing in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 7 about what's good and what's bad and what's better and best and all that. But the point is, you have an opportunity if you're called to be single to throw every ounce of energy that you have directly at the
1: work of Jesus
0: Christ. I'm not telling you you have to be single. I'm not telling you you shouldn't be married. But if you're called to be single, what an opportunity. Count it an Opportunity. Here's a question that I've wondered about for a long time. I said this in the imperative a time or two, and I felt kind of bad, so I'm going to ask it this way. Does the companionship of Christ in you cause an unstoppable urge to share Him with others? Do you have the kind of companionship with Christ that it develops in you and swells out of you and it gives you an unstoppable urge to share Him? I have said that if you don't, and I've made some statements, and I'm sorry about that when I've said that, But I would just invite you to get to know Him to the point and feel Him and see Him and experience Him to the point that it just bubbles out of you and you can't stop yourself from sharing Jesus. As a single person, you have an opportunity to do that like no other person. And you are single right now. Get some practice. Some of you might be single for a while. Maybe a long while. We don't know. Compassion. The attitude of Christ is compassionate. Jesus looked on the multitude and had compassion and healed them. He calls us to be His hands and feet, we say sometimes. Matthew 25. Matthew 25 just applies to married people, right? I mean, if you have enough of you and you work together, you can do those things like giving water to the thirsty and putting clothes. No. No, 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 no. Matthew 25 applies to you and it applies today and it will apply to you tomorrow and it will apply to you in 30 years if you're still unmarried or married. You have an opportunity to fulfill Matthew 25 in a way that married people maybe can't. Freedom to be available, etc. I'll go just a tiny bit brief with that. Married, unmarried people in, in, in our own life um, have blessed our children many, many ways. I will not take any credit for the success of my children when they grow up and they are servants of Jesus Christ. I give all credit to God. Second, I'm going to give it to some of you folks. I'm too weak. I'm just trying to do what God says to do. But I'll tell you what, when when people that are single, I'm going to say, are a good example and a testimony of Jesus Christ, and they reach out to our children, or they're willing to stand up and recite the entire chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, and our children just look at that, and then that person is nice to them, it means a lot to a daddy and mother, let me tell you. They've blessed us when we've been discouraged, burdened. Some of you are so discerning, you understood, especially when we lived in Ohio, when we were evidently going to have to speak and we'd get messages. And what an encouragement, what a bunch of prayer warriors some of you have been in our life. Single people have opportunities like that. We've seen neighbors and communities be blessed by single people as they reach out and bless and serve in ways that married people who are all wrapped up in trying to make house payments and keep the floors clean and everything else don't have time to do or don't make time to do, put it that way. We've seen foreign callings get filled and it blesses our heart. There's times I've only been overseas one time. That was only to Haiti. And I shouldn't say only. That was to Haiti. I would love to go back more. I, I would love to. I just can't. There may be a time I trust God there will, I don't, but it doesn't matter if I can't. It doesn't matter. Some of you can go and do that, and I can bless you in that, and I can enter in that way. You have been a blessing to us. I was so blessed by Brother Nathan's, Nathan King's testimony the other, day, the other morning in testimony. Jesus wasn't a parent, he said. Jesus was not a parent, a father. Yet he said, come. Don't forbid the children. Let them come and set them on my knee, and I will bless them. You have that same opportunity. Thank you, brother, for that. Okay, I'm going to abruptly end that because I want to just just get a little bit personal here, just, just overall for the week. I want to bless you if you're called to be single. I don't want to be too abrupt with that. May God bless you if that's your calling. And if you have something you want to share years down the road and you want to come talk to me, I, I promise you, like I said earlier, I commit... To trying to understand, trying to care, trying to feel, and yet trying to give you a vision of a high calling of singlehood. It is a high calling.